Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Radical thinkers have long dreamt of giving every citizen an unconditional basic income. But amid digital disruption and as welfare states struggle with costs, the idea is entering the political mainstream, say John Thornhill and Ralph Atkins. So much so that Switzerland, one of the world's most prosperous countries, will vote in June on whether to bring one in. Is such a scheme workable? Would it help fix a broken social model with growing inequality? Or is it pie in the sky? This report is narrated by John. Switzerland's traditionally conservative electorate will next month vote on the superficially preposterous idea of handing out an unconditional basic income of 30,000 Swiss francs a year to every citizen, regardless of work, wealth or their social contribution. Opinion polls suggest that the June 5 referendum will be heavily defeated. And even if some kind of electoral convulsion results in the proposal being unexpectedly approved by voters it is certain to be shot down by the 26 cantons that would have to implement it. But the very fact that one of the world's most prosperous countries is holding such a vote highlights how a centuries-old dream of radical thinkers is seeping into the political mainstream. In countries as diverse as Brazil, Canada, Finland, the Netherlands and India, local and national governments are experimenting with the idea of introducing some form of basic income as they struggle to overhaul inefficient welfare states and manage the social disruption caused by technological change. Daniel Hanny, a coffee shop owner, who is one of the Swiss Initiative's main supporters, said modern welfare states provide basic social support, but are failing to adapt to the needs and values of our times. The trouble is that they are too costly and cumbersome, assume that a citizen's worth is determined solely by their value as an employee, and rely on means-testing by an overly intrusive state. He said our social system is 150 years old and is based on Bismarck's response to industrialization 1.0. Our idea is simple. We want to render the conditional unconditional. UBI is about shifting power back to the citizen. The idea of providing money for nothing to all citizens dates back centuries and had been nurtured by a minority radical cult before resurfacing in recent times. In the 20th century, it was championed by thinkers of the left, such as John Kenneth Galbraith and Martin Luther King, as a means of promoting social justice and equal opportunity. But it was also backed by some libertarians and economists on the right, including Milton Friedman, as a way of restricting the coercive state and restoring individual choice and freedom. Incredible as it seems today, President Richard Nixon came very close to implementing a negative income tax, a variant of basic income, across the US in the 1970s. Nixon's initiative, part of his family assistance plan, was strongly backed by the House of Representatives, but failed in the Senate, where some Democrats considered it too unambitious and several Republicans considered it too bold. 
A resurgence of interest in the idea has built in recent years, largely thanks to the technological revolution, which is convulsing labour markets around the world. The decoupling of median household income growth from GDP expansion in many countries has created a sense of middle-class crisis, fueling anger over inequality and the rise of populism in the US and Europe. Whether it is because of a sense of guilt at the upheavals they are causing in society, or simply a celebration of innovative thinking, the idea of a universal basic income has lately become fashionable among some Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who describe it as a digital dividend. At a conference in Zurich earlier this month on technological disruption and social change, a succession of speakers from the US warned about further turmoil in the jobs market, resulting from the automation of more routine tasks, the application of machine learning and the rise of the robots. Citing just one of many examples, Andy Stern, the former president of the Service Employees International Union, said the introduction of self-driving trucks and cars would eliminate millions of jobs. At present, there are about 3.5 million truck drivers in the US, forming the largest job category in 29 states. Mr Stern, the author of Raising the Floor, a forthcoming book advocating UBI as a partial solution, said, There is the potential for the greatest disruption of jobs in the history of the world. Eric Brynjolfsson, an MIT professor and co-author of The Second Machine Age, said a convulsive tech surge was underway that was rapidly turning the promise of science fiction into a reality. But he insisted that technology remain the tool of humans and could benefit us enormously so long as it was properly managed. With robots doing most of the work, he painted a picture of a digital Athens in which people had the time to focus on sports and the arts. He also warned of the potential for enormous upheaval if societies did not anticipate these challenges and adequately respond to them. He said, I can see revolution and violence and the failure of a lot of big companies. Our economy and political system has not adapted to this new world at all and we need to get out in front of it. Robert Reich, a former Labour secretary in the Clinton administration who now teaches at University of California, Berkeley, said the digital revolution was increasing economic insecurity and inequality. The development of car-hailing apps such as Uber and Lyft had brought great convenience for consumers but was also creating a spot auction market for labour. This insecurity was also fueling a crisis of aggregate demand in the economy, he said, adding that he had recently been visited by the boss of a giant tech company worried about who would have enough money to buy his company's products in 10 to 15 years' time. A more equal division of the fruits of the technological revolution would revive that demand, while providing a broader social good. The aim of all rich societies, Mr Reich said, should be to provide a basic level of subsistence, enabling people to do more of what they wanted and less of what they did not want to do. For all these reasons, he said, I think that UBI is inevitable. Even if many experts agree about the scale and intensity of the technological and economic challenge, they remain divided about the appropriate social and political response. There is still less consensus about how it could be implemented and funded. The resistance to the idea of introducing a UBI in Switzerland is instructive. In a recent GFS poll, 71% of respondents said they were likely or certain to reject the proposal. With just 100,000 signatures needed for a referendum, such votes are pretty frequent. The UBI is just one of five issues on which the Swiss will vote next Sunday. It is far from obvious that the Swiss social model is broken and in need of repair. Switzerland remains one of the richest and most productive economies in the world. 
its much-praised apprenticeship system, generates a steady stream of well-trained employees and provides opportunities for all. Its unemployment rate is just 3.6%. Vanya Aleva, a Swiss trade union leader, says it is worth debating the possible benefits of UBI and the principles of a just society, but she does not see the need for such radical change. She says, We are critical of UBI. We have a social system in Switzerland that works. Labour leaders elsewhere remain equally wary of introducing UBI, fearing it might only be used by right-wing politicians to shred the existing welfare state. By setting the rate too low and withdrawing other welfare benefits, it could end up hurting the very people it was designed to help most. As one participant in the Zurich conference put it, there was a danger of fattening the frogs to feed the snakes. Many executives are also lukewarm about the idea, objecting to the delinkage of economic reward and effort. It is notable that the support for UBI is lowest in the predominantly German-speaking cantons of Switzerland, where the work ethic is particularly strong. Ulrich Spieshofer, chief executive of the engineering company ABB, says there has to be a basic level of social provision for people in need, but beyond that, economic rewards should be based on actually creating economic value. The government estimates full implementation of UBI would cost 208 billion Swiss francs, about three times current annual federal spending of about 67 billion Swiss francs. Even then, it could not replace all existing social services, such as health care for the elderly. Alain Berset, a Social Democrat member of the Swiss cabinet, has described the UBI initiative as utopian, saying it would require significant extra funding of at least 25 billion Swiss francs. He said in an interview, The unconditional basic income would be a risky experiment. It's not clear how this basic income would be designed by Parliament or how it would be financed. The precise implications are unknown. Supporters of UBI accept many of these criticisms and are launching pilot projects to help answer the objections. One of the most interesting initiatives is being launched in Finland with a view to rolling out basic income on a national scale if the experiment proves effective. The centre-right government will this year begin making tax-free monthly payments of about €550 to a random sample of 10,000 adults of working age as part of a two-year experiment. The intention is to see what effect a basic income has on work incentives and life choices and how it interacts with the existing welfare model. The city of Utrecht and 19 other municipalities across the Netherlands are conducting similar experiments. Matthew Taylor, chief executive of the RSA in London, which recently published a study on the viability of UBI, said societies will need to become a lot more innovative in the face of the latest technological revolution. In particular, far more flexible ways will have to be found to support part-time workers or those who wish to retrain or look after their children or elderly parents. He said, What excites me about UBI is that it could act as a catalyst for a broader shift in public attitudes. I think that UBI can potentially help overcome the attitudes that we have between strivers and skivers. It can help the state enable people to have autonomous lives. While acknowledging the near certainty of defeat in the coming referendum, the Swiss backers of UBI believe that their campaign signals the beginning of a global debate on basic income, rather than its end. It may be premature to introduce UBI today, but its appeal will inevitably grow as societies learn to prize creativity over productivity. Mr Hani said that, irrespective of the result, 
he is delighted that every Swiss newspaper has been furiously discussing the principles of a basic income. He said the Swiss debate is like a movie trailer for the main event, and trailers always end with the phrase, coming soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.